For sports content from the biggest leagues and competitions across the world, look no further than Reuters Connect, Reuters online news content platform. Reuters Connect makes finding the sports content you need easy, whether it's in-depth reporting from Reuters journalists or access to video highlights from around the world. Bring the world of sport directly to your workplace with Reuters Connect. For more information and a free trial, visit ReutersConnect.com. Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week, we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports Festival Rick Haro into the $1.3 trillion business of sports. Big week this week. U.S. Open coming to an end in in tennis, NASCAR, golf, football, college, and pro. Basketball beginning to heat up soon. Obviously, big deals. Deal-making issue 3-1, to one, then games to watch from NFL and, and college perspective with Kelly Kazire. Gaming minute, tech minute, we have it all. Let's get started. Three. Sports betting in Massachusetts. More than 40 companies notify state gaming commissions they want to try licenses. The the big boys, the Massasoit Greyhound Association, which owns Rainham Park. There are other companies, clearly, including Mohican Digital, Penn Sports Interactive, Fubo Sportsbook, Suffolk Race Course, Plainville Gaming and Development, Resorts World Bet, and others. A good combination. The way this starts, against betting, for betting because of infrastructure, signing the bill, then figuring out how to configure the book relationships with the local guys, with some assets, and the big nationals. Happens all over the country, certainly happening here. Two. How about deal-making issue number two, and it's a big deal as far as gaming in Missouri is concerned, because Kansas sports betting started this last week. 16,000 people tried to make a bet in Missouri last week. But the Geo Company, a company created to or hired to put a fence around Kansas, was successful. A big deal. We know it's a 10-minute drive, perhaps from Missouri to Kansas, if you're near the state line. But it's not as if Missouri was the first border state to be on the other side of legalizing and then saying, wow, we got to act. Missouri probably getting it done by 2023. Certainly betting in Kansas will increase the trend. One. On three algorithm projects 12 college football players with NIL valuations of more than a million dollars and up. This is eye-opening. Alabama quarterback Bryce Young, 3.2 million valuation. C.J. Stroud, Ohio State quarterback, 2.5. Caleb Williams, USC quarterback, 2.4. Spencer Rattler, South Carolina, from Oklahoma, 2. Ohio State receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba, 1.7 million. Will Anderson, the best defensive player in the history of the world, 1.6 million. Bijan Robinson from Texas, 1.6, and on and on. Open doors predicted overall about half of the expected $1.14 billion spent on athletes going to football players. Stroud drives a Mercedes Benz G Wagon, gave every Buckeye player a $500 gift card so they can purchase suits ahead of the game with Ohio State and Notre Dame. Good, but continuing to get better in the wild, wild west of college football. 
And that's deal-making issue number one. Deal-making issues are important, but now Callie Kazire helps us get into the weekly numbers game. College football week three, the business perspective of three select games. Number one, Miami and Texas A&M. Miami had to pay $9 million to Oregon to buy out Mario Cristobal's contract. Buying out former coach Manny Diaz cost another four. Comes a year after the university made pay cuts across the board for its faculty, including cutting an estimated $100 million from matching contributions to family retirement plans. And several Miami's of Miami, uh, several members of Miami's faculty questions how much, there's so much money to invest in this context. The bottom line is programs are examples of universities who are willing to sign coaches to lucrative contracts despite possible backlash. Don't forget that Jimbo Fisher, earning an estimated $9 million a year, signed through 2031. Look what happened against App State. That's number one. Number two, Oklahoma and Nebraska. Sixth-ranked Oklahoma travels to Lincoln, but $15 million buyout exercised for uh, the, uh, the uh, coaching change at Nebraska. Frost is no more. Couldn't take it after a 1-2 and two start. Scott Frost gone. And the bottom line is the Lincoln-Riley departure at USC uh, from Oklahoma gets Dylan Gabriel at the helm with a new coach. Have to see where Oklahoma's numbers go. Then number one, Georgia and South Carolina. That defending champion, Georgia, looks as dominant as ever, ranked number one. Georgia had $169.1 million in revenue and twice the surplus of any other university reported in 2021. Along the way, South Carolina brings Spencer Rattler to the table, one of the most valuable players in the country in regard to NAL, and a whopping $1.3 million in the on three NIL valuation. See how that turns out. Big business issues, not just football. Callie Kazire also focuses us on the NFL issues, the top three as well. Chargers and Chiefs, NFC, AFC West showdown, Justin Herbert, Pat Mahomes. Amazon, an 11-year, $13 billion deal with the NFL to become the host of Thursday Night Football and could be a turning point in sports bat broadcasting. So look at that as a big one. Dolphins at Ravens next week. Uh, Lamar Jackson against his hometown team, but without a contract, despite winning the MVP in 2019. Contract talks put on the, ta- off, the, on the t- off for a while. And Deshaun Watson play on his fifth-year option this season. See how that all shakes out. Next, Titans and the Bills. Tennessee Titans travel to Highmark Stadium in Buffalo to take on the Bills, both perennial NFC, AFC contenders. Highmark Stadium, built in 1973, making it the fourth oldest stadium in the league, but underway plans to build a $1.4 billion stadium in Buffalo and Nissan Stadium, accumulating $1.8 billion in costs since its opening in 1999, and it may make more sense to build a new stadium in Nashville rather than continuing to pay the maintenance costs associated with Nissan Stadium. Well, those are big NFL issues as well on the college and on the NFL side. Well, we talk about college, we talk about NIL, we talk about all of those issues 
Great interview this week. The commissioner of the AAC, Mike Oresco, University of Connecticut Law School, ESPN, ESPN EVP of programming before he goes to CBS Sports, and has been at the helm of the Big East, then converted to the AAC since August of 2012. In a July speech, he gave a warning, quote, fearing the trajectory, the trajectory of college football. Believe me, he's not a naysayer. You'll hear his interview, a fantastic interview, talking about the current situation of conference musical chairs, expanded playoff, NIL, transfer portal, and the like. Here's Mike Oresco. We all appreciate those who have done certain things to advance the profession, and, and you know, you've been great. And to start, I don't know if there's anybody else that's had the kind of TV background that you had that became a conference commissioner. I know there were certain ones that we could distinguish, but, you know, you started with ESPN and you started on the council side. And in, I guess, 88, you were assistant general counsel at ESPN. So you understood all the legal issues and your UConn law uh, uh, training certainly advanced your ability to move forward on that. How do you think your television experience ESPN and CBS prepared you for what you're doing now? Well, you know, it's interesting, Rick. I think I was probably the first non-traditional hire that uh, any of the conferences had done. Pretty much everybody else came from college athletics. I think it's been a useful background. I I think in the end, uh, I I came into this knowing almost everyone in college sports because I dealt with them for so many years. And I had had talked to them as insiders. You know, I, I used to spend we, you know, uh, when I visited uh, Chicago, Jim Delaney would always ask me to stay at his home. Same thing with Mike Slive and, yeah. uh, you know, Birmingham. So I got to know everybody really well. And, and bringing the legal background is always valuable. You know, you're a lawyer and, and you know, you, you obviously have a wonderful background, Harvard Law School. And, and you know, you know that you, you're not snowed when you have a legal background when it comes to a lot of these key issues. You're, you're confident that you can deal with them. And, and that's always been, I think, uh, of some value in, in this kind of position. Uh, and then the TV uh, experience, you know, we're a media-driven world, Rick. And a lot of it was that I had to deal with the media when I worked in TV. It isn't so much the TV programming experience as much as it was, you know, being in, in the public eye and, and understanding how important that is and how important it is to promote the conference. So I think in that sense, it had, a, you know, an indirect benefit. Uh, and then as far as the uh, TV itself, you know, I'm on the TV strategic TV committee for the CFP. And I think, uh, you know, I have some definite ideas on how we should structure the next deal. And I think my TV background will have some value for uh, the college sports environment. I, uh, you know, the, the community, I hope so. <laughs> well, I hope so. We'll talk about that at the back end of this. And they better listen to you. That's all I got to say. And, and by the way, the other thing, too, is is a deal maker. Do you think your legal training and your legal credentials made it easier for you to make deals or harder because people would assume a lawyer's always got something up his sleeve? No, you know, I tried to hide the fact that I'd been a lawyer, you know, as you know, <laughs> you, know you know, the old saying, yeah. the recovering yeah. lawyer, you know. Reco- yeah, no, I get it, I get it. No, and, and, you know, I wasn't even planning to go to law school. You know, I went to the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy after yeah. after uh, undergrad and and I saw an ad in the, in the, I was working in Connecticut trying to earn some money after spending so much money in college and grad school. And I saw an ad without digressing too much. I, I saw an ad for a night, a, a night session at the University of Connecticut. It was at $300 a semester. And I thought, well, you know, it wouldn't hurt to have a legal background. I didn't necessarily want to practice law, but I did that for a year. And we had 
a fairly fascinating group of people. We had a, a woman who graduated first in her class at Wellesley and had become a basically a housewife and then finally went back to law school. We had a fellow who's an airline pilot who was doing it because he had a lot of time wow. off. And uh, it was a fascinating uh, mix. But, uh, you know, having that background, uh, I, cre- I w- eventually went to the day division and then worked in the U.S. Attorney's Office as an intern for an entire year. That kind of experience was absolutely uh invaluable in in programming you know you uh every deal has to be ultimately uh you know as they as they say papered you know that's the term yeah. they all use uh and and knowing uh you know knowing uh and i learned a lot uh, working at espn from andy brilliant who had been at uh, hbo yeah. right and and i their forms were outstanding the way they did things i was the one who wrote the board items for abc uh, for espn uh, for the ABC board. And, and that was another valuable experience. But again, having had the legal background helped me to, to be able to do those things. And yeah, Rick, it's really critical. The other thing is when you when you do deals, you have to make decisions. And we, we had programmers at ESPN in the early days who just couldn't, couldn't, they couldn't do the deal. You know, they couldn't right. ultimately lock it down. You know, they, they just had misgivings and they, you know, they lacked confidence. I, I ultimately had to test myself. You know, I did a few deals early on and said, you know, I can do this. And in the in the commissioner's position, you're making decisions constantly. You know, it, you know, Rick, in, in any leadership position, you have to be a leader. You have to want to be a leader and you have to make decisions. And I think having a legal background is is, uh, you know, extremely useful. And uh, it's it served me well, even though I wasn't necessarily planning to be a lawyer. My sense is that running a, a uh, conference. Uh, in uh, uh, best of times when it's relatively static and you can use a, a five-year plan as opposed to a five-day plan is three-dimensional chess. Well, five when hour you're out plan. there, yeah, yeah, a five-hour plan. And, and you're out there trying to anticipate developing consensus and hopefully unanimity among all your schools in a constantly changing five-hour-to-time environment. Uh, is it harder today than it was in 2012 when you accepted the job when it was the old Big East? Uh, yes and no. I think it's less enjoyable right now because we've got so many challenges that I think are changing college sports and not always for the better. And that doesn't mean I don't favor NIL, but NIL, as you know, has become essentially a, a way to recruit and retain players. Right. Basically, the, the joke now is NIL means now it's legal. You know, and, uh, <laughs> that's, I haven't heard that one. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. yeah. Yeah. And that's what, but no, uh, when I joined though, we were in a period of, uh, of turmoil, as you know, and, uh, I don't know that I had a tougher period than the six months between the time Jim Delaney took Rutgers in Maryland. We also lost Louisville right. to the time when uh, we finally reestablished the uh, the American, the Big East um, basketball members left, as you know, at the time. Realignment was, um, frankly, uh, the, the environment was very unstable and we, we did lose some more teams. Um, and just, you know, basically we were given up for dead by the media. Uh, resurrecting the conference as, as the American, you know, we didn't have a name. We didn't have a, a logo. We had nothing. And um, it, it was essentially, it was, it was a startup that we had no TV deal. Uh, didn't know it would, it would survive. We actually didn't survive. We thrived eventually, but it took some time and effort uh, and things had to fall our way a bit. But, but in the end, that period was, was really tough. Uh, what's going on now? I mean, we're an established conference. Yes, we are going to lose some schools, Rick, as you know, <clears throat> and they're good schools. Our schools have, have done well in our league, and we've done well for them. 
and, and that's going to make it a little difficult. We brought in six new schools. Some are works in progress in terms of their football programs, which, as you know, football drives everything in this business. So that's going to be really uh, important to see how they develop. Uh, but now you have more. I think what you didn't have back 10 years ago that you have now are all these other ancillary issues that are large issues because they involve college sports, whether it's NIL, whether it's pay to play coming down the road and how are we going to deal with that? Whether it's these collectives and, and what are we going to do there? It's the enforcement uh, function and, and whether that needs to be completely, uh, you know, reordered, which it probably does. You know, there's also uh, a gender equity issue that didn't exist then. I think we've seen that there's some real issues there. Um, and rulemaking devolving to the conferences, that's not something we've had before, and we're going to have to face that when this transformation committee that you've read about yeah. does work. I'm sure a lot of the decisions will be left to the conferences. You know, we're better financially, better off financially than we were, so we have resources that we didn't have 10 years ago. But the landscape has changed, and I just think at times it doesn't feel – you look, you, you saw what just happened with uh, UCLA and USC. I mean, that, that's an earthquake. Okay, Texas and Oklahoma was also, but those are contiguous states. Those are schools that have a lot in common with, with the SEC schools. But the geography, everything about the, the history of the, and tradition of the Pac-12, you knew that something like that could happen, but you didn't expect it. And, and that's really shaken things up because now you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know whether one of these conferences could even disappear. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I try not to take this personally. You really can't. And some yeah. of my colleagues do sometimes take it personally. I don't think you'll find me making, you know, statements about, you know, it being betrayed or anything like that, because that's not what happens here. Right. You know, these are voluntary organizations. Sure. If you pay your exit fee, you can leave. Right. And so consequently, you can't take it personally. On the other hand, we're all human. And, you know, it's like, the old Godfather, you know, it's only business. But the truth is, you, you yeah. it's not fun to be going through this. And I don't think it's over. You know, uh, no. these things tend to play out over a couple of years. Well, and, and, and that's the three-dimensional chess aspect, because I know you play chess uh, five moves ahead of, of most people. And you're in good shape that way. Just parenthetically, and an anecdotal issue, I remember stopping by your Providence office on the way after a Harvard class 10 years ago when you were just looking at logos and you couldn't divulge what the name of your new uh, 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 conference was going to be. And I thought it would be like Armadillo National or something. I don't know. But you had five or six different logos. You've come a long way, man. I know I know it's hard every day, but I would think that the 10 years building this conference relative to the building blocks you've dealt with is got to be in the top of history of all major, minor, all conferences as far as growth, stability, all sports, when you look at your performance in all sports, not just football. Well, you know, first of all, very kind of you to say, but the conference has done extremely well, extraordinarily well. I think we really were a so-called Power Six conference almost yeah. from the beginning because we had so much success immediately. But it's interesting, you know, um, one of our presidents um, at one point, uh, he was involved with uh, some seminars at Harvard Business School. And uh, he had, had talked to them, uh, or they had talked to him. I don't know how it originated, but they wanted to do something about our conference as a as a an example of a startup, a very unusual startup, uh, because you know, as you know, we we didn't have a name, and we found a name that was well. I wouldn't I wouldn't call this a you know uh, I guess what's the term I'm looking for? It's not a cutting edge name, but it's durable. 
yeah. and it's a good name, and it has a good logo, AAC, even though originally right. we got a letter from the Appalachian Athletic Conference asking us not to use AAC. Sorry. And, <laughs> Sorry. Goodbye. Yeah, and we, we haven't used it. It's the media <laughs> that uses it. And, and then it was confused with the ACC from time to time, which we didn't necessarily at the outset think was a bad thing. But, right. you know, but the point is um, we we came up with a name that was durable, and it was a, it was a complete um, – disaster at the beginning, you know, one of my uh, staff members wanted us to do an online, you know, uh, let the, let the viewers, uh, let our fans decide what the, the name should be. And I thought that would be a disaster. disaster. So we, we organized the, uh, that and we, and you know, the logo, you know, you had all these trolls out there, right? The internet trolls trying to figure out which yeah. names they could trademark and which logos they could trademark. We took the logo to every school individually, rolled it up afterward, uh, didn't, didn't let them copy it, photograph it. So we had to be very careful. Uh, and then finally, you know, we were able to to work with ESPN to get a TV deal that was acceptable, uh, great exposure, which gave our, our schools an opportunity to uh, to succeed. And that's what really did it. When they did something good, um, you know, they, they were on either ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, whatever. And you know me, I mean, I, I've been promoting the league pretty relentlessly. But oh, yeah. the one thing I would say, uh, Rick, is I have never um, promoted something that, that we didn't do. That was false. You know, I've always been careful. Like in 19, 2019, Memphis was an outstanding team, but they were not a playoff level team. And I never right. said they were. But right. there were years when we had teams that were. And yeah. Cincinnati finally you know, broke right. what I call the grass ceiling, not the glass yeah, ceiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the interesting thing about that, too, to pick up on that, when I look back at some of your statements, 13-14 was instructive because – when you talk about the success of the of the league of the conference, you talk about the the, uh, the the BCS win, men's final four, women's final four, and college world series. But you also talk about being ranked national top ten in football, uh, men's basketball, women's basketball, men's soccer, baseball, and men's golf. What that tells me is you're all about inclusion. Uh, again, you're not puffing, but you are uh, you know everybody's commissioner in all sports. That meant a lot to to me, I guess, when I'm reading that. Well, no question. I mean, I think we wanted to be a balanced conference. The other thing is, uh, it's not just the uh, the number of sports where we've been successful. It's the fact that we've had numerous teams that have done it. It's not just a, a one, you know, yeah. one horse right. lead. We've had uh, a number of football teams that have been successful. We've had several basketball teams that have done well. You know, and again, UConn left the conference, but they did win a national championship in men's ba uh, basketball in our conference, and they won three women's titles in our conference. Went to the Final Four pretty much every year. Uh, this, now Cincinnati, they'll be leaving, but we're, we'll always be proud that the legacy is that they won. Uh, they won a playoff berth yeah. in our conference. Uh, the other thing, uh, Rick, is as we look at, at what what's happened to college sports, you know, we're in a new world now. So we succeeded because I think our guys were, were very intelligent about the way they recruited, about the way they spent their money, about the way they hired coaches. The problem now is with NIL and the, uh, and the portal, you know, the transfer portal, you yeah. have a perfect storm and you're not sure if you're going to be able to, to keep your best players. You're, you're not sure whether the NIL thing is going to you know, have a real impact on your programs. I think we're going to be okay because I think we can recruit high school players who are going to be ignored by a lot of the programs that are going to the transfer portal more and more, almost exclusively sometimes. So I think there's – and we also are in great the right states where people we don't get – players we don't get the first time around want to come home. They want to come back. And, and you know, we're in Texas. Obviously, we have four teams in Texas going forward – we're in Alabama, we're in Florida, we're in Pennsylvania, we're in Oklahoma, we're in hotbeds of college football. And make no mistake, I value college basketball. I love the sport, grew up rooting for UConn in Connecticut. 
but college football drives everything. Oh, yeah. Rick. You know that. Yeah. And we all have to be conscious of that. And that's how we basically decided on, on uh, our, our expansion recently. Well, all right. Let me, so let me ask you this relative to the NIL and transfer portal grouping. Uh, it's, it, it's maybe a hard question and I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm going to stay 30,000 feet. I'm not going to ask you to uh, complain or evaluate anybody's work, but when the head of the NCAA sends a signal a year and a half ago, two years ago that, all right, it's a good idea. Let's pay college athletes. And we will come up with a structure that everybody will love by July one in a year and a half. So don't worry. And then July one, everybody's out of town. Uh, missed opportunity. Uh, find the right words to describe how you felt when the void and the vacuum fell felt to you and every other conference commissioner. Well, I, I have to tell you, you know, we, we didn't show a lot of leadership as, yeah. as an you know, as a, as a group. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I testified at the trial in Oakland in front of um, Judge Wilkin yep. uh, regarding the um, educational benefits. And I thought in the end, we, we came out of that okay. I mean, we, we really did. It wasn't that bad. She uh, she capped some things, but she also yeah. uh, you know was I think relatively uh, conservative in her her judgment. Uh, and and we appealed that decision. I think it was a real mistake to do that. And we ended up getting clobbered in the Supreme Court on the antitrust issue. And then we became paralyzed, as you know. Everything was well. We we uh, were afraid of an, an antitrust lawsuit. Well, frankly, we're going to get sued pretty much every time we do something. Right unless we can get it some kind of exemption. And I'm not sure, you know, we, we can, but the point is if you, you, you know, Rick, you're a lawyer. If, if you uh, put, put forth sensible rules, reasonable rules, right. you can withstand those challenges and you have to take a position in the end. You know, you have to show that you're for something and we didn't do that. I think we probably should have gone after California when they, when they, uh, pass their first NIL law, because in the end, now you have a patchwork across the country, which is an absolute mess. You know, every, yeah. every state has a different rule. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, in the Supreme Court, a lot of it was dicta. You know, I think the worst thing was for us was Judge Kavanaugh saying, basically, you, know, you guys are always violating the. Uh, yeah, that, but that it, it is for people that don't understand. Dicta is something that really kind of doesn't mean anything, but you know people read it as gospel. But yeah, but it frightened it frightened the death frightened us to death, and and, and unfortunately yeah. we have uh, you know we've gotten it to the point now. Remember too, uh, the transfer portal. The key there is the year in residency, Rick. It doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, that is what I think kept uh, rosters uh, kept stability in rosters. And you really had to think a lot if you were a student athlete. You were going to transfer and sit out a year. You really wanted to, to go someplace else. Now it's a question of I can go anytime I want. Some guys have transferred three different times because you know they they, they haven't hit the deadline yet. And then you know the NCAA was toying with the idea. It hasn't happened yet, and I'm not sure it will happen with unlimited transfers. And the idea was that on an ad hoc basis, uh, their their academic issues would prevent them from transferring as much as, uh, you know, they, they might want. To me, that's that's get, that's got it backwards, because all that would mean is lawyers getting involved and, and showing yeah. how the you'd be fighting over the academic uh, progress somebody's making. But the interesting thing is, I mean, in what universe is that a good idea? In no. what world is unlimited transfers a good idea for anybody? No, I mean, and I, I think they should at least stay for two weeks before they get to change to go to another team. <laughs> See, we, you know, we laugh at that, but you know, it is uh, yeah. people free market discuss it. So on July 29, you gave a speech quote, fearing the trajectory of college football 
picked up in a lot of places. What, what specifically did you mean or just collectively all the stuff we're talking about now? Well, you know, Rick, I, my point was consolidation is here to stay yeah. uh, and we can't, it's spilled milk and you know, we can't cry over it. it it's there. Uh, we have to deal with uh, the, the 75% of college football, for example, that will not be in the big 10 in the uh, SEC right. and keep that neighborhood healthy. You know, Jim Delaney and I talk from time to time, uh, Jim, as you know, an old friend sure. and, you know, our position is pretty much the same. If you live in a city, you don't want one neighborhood to be healthy and then the other or two, two neighborhoods to be healthy and the other eight not to be. And in this particular instance, I think the key to everything right now, literally the key to everything is the CFP, the college football playoff. Right. If you, we, we obviously got the new, new, the new platform in place, a new format. And the key was access. You have to have access. If, if conferences and schools and teams have access as long as there's hope, their their donors will be involved. Their yeah. uh, you know fans will be involved. Uh, they'll be able to recruit. They may not you know be able to get the great players that maybe the SEC or the Big Ten are able to get. But the point is, we have to recognize that everything's been moving toward this consolidation for quite some time. And the other thing, with respect to where we are now, uh, you know, we have to understand that pay for play is probably coming. And, and can we nationalize it somehow? Can we can we avoid yeah. having a union? You know, we, we don't need right. 5,000 dues paying, you know, employees. Can we avoid employee status? But can we work maybe with Congress? And, you know, I know Tuber, uh, Senator Tuberville and Senator Manchin have asked for NIL ideas. We, we sent our letter right. in. Um, but the point is, can we have some kind of collective action where we – we figure out a way to, to compensate the players. Look, it's true that they go through a lot more now than they did. Uh, you know, you have longer seasons, you've got a lot of stress. I looked at it akin to graduate school student, you know, students who actually teach classes, right. And, and they are compensated to some degree. I'm not, I'm not supporting it at this point. I'm not proposing it. I'm just saying that I think it's coming and I think we've got to deal with it. And I'm, I'm not sure necessarily it would be a bad thing. You know, I always believed it was a privilege to play uh, college, high school sports, college sports. Uh, you got a full scholarship. You got cost of attendance. You got educational benefits. You got, you know, you know, uh, nutrition, unbelievable nutritional programs. Uh, you had uh, counseling. You had things that other students would envy and, and would love to have had. And you get out debt free. And you also develop contacts in the community that other students don't have a chance to develop, which could serve you very well for the rest of your life. So there was an awful lot of benefit to being a student athlete, period, especially. When By the way, that, that's a beautiful speech five years ago. Unfortunately. Yeah, but I, yeah, yeah. You read my mind. It, it, yeah. It's not anymore. It just isn't. And so consequently, we're looking at a new world. Uh, I don't you know, I don't know how my my conference yet feels. And we've polled them. We've talked to them. They're they're hesitant in some areas, not some areas. Some people believe that, oh, yeah, we, we got to pay players. Others say no. Others say, look, it's going to be club sports eventually. It's going to be you'll, you'll use the logo of the school, but it'll be loosely tethered to education. The players may not even, for the most part, go to school. As far as I'm concerned, what's the point? I, yeah. I do think the educational mission has to remain uh, central. And if it does, then I think all this other stuff will ultimately take care of itself. Now, California, as you know, uh, and not every every great thing comes out of California, but you know they're right now they're thinking about they're thinking about a well they they almost passed a law last year that said the schools in California had to yeah. share their uh, right. their athletic revenue. It yeah. may come back, they may get it passed, and then we'll be in the same boat if we don't do anything about it. 
we'll be in the same boat we are in with NIL, where it starts metastasizing across the country. Maybe that's not the right word, because, but I don't think that's necessarily a good way to have these kinds of things develop. All right, here's the bottom line. Are you, are you as happy today with the job as you were on August 14th, 2012? Um, I, I am in, in, in one key sense, and that is I'm really proud of what we've accomplished. You know, I think th this league, uh, Sports Illustrated at one point a while back said we were one of the best stories of the last decade, you know, as a conference and, and especially in football. And, and I think and all credit goes to our schools and to the investments they've made and to the intelligent decisions they've made and to our student athletes who, against all obstacles, have, have fought hard. We, we've won, I think it's we're at 59 games against the so-called P5 that we've won. As you know, seven out of nine years we've been on New Year's Day. We made the playoff, which no one thought anybody from our group could do. Uh, we've had to deal with branding. And, you know, it's funny, working in, in television all those years, uh, Rick, you think I'd, I'd be pretty aware of, of how important branding is, yeah. uh, but I really uh, understood how important it is with this whole P5, G5 and how yeah. that can affect everything. It affects the amount of attention you get. That's why I've been so forward and so vocal, because I just felt that I didn't want my student athletes feeling like they were second class citizens. I thought we were nationally relevant, but I also thought that uh, we're not going to get the kind of coverage unless I'm out there. And to be honest with you, you know, when I was criticizing the, the committee, I really did think it was essentially a P5 invitational, you know, in, in the college football playoff. I really did. I mean, look at when, when uh, Iowa State, which lost by 17 points at home to Louisiana, I want to get into the yeah. leads here, yeah. had lost two games and was ranked ahead of an undefeated Cincinnati team, which, by the way, proved its value in the game against Georgia a few yeah. years ago. Well, they really should have won. I mean, they kind of threw the game away at the end. But um, the point is uh, we have always been – I think right up there with the others, but we've really struggled to get the kind of attention that, that you know, is, is warranted. And that's been my job to some degree to go out there and, and, and go on. I did a serious radio show for two years, literally pretty much every week or every other week. Finally, I was the one who said, I just can't keep doing this. You know, at some point, you know, it's just too much time and, and effort. And also, you know, you can only talk about so much. They were very kind. They let me talk about the conference week after week. And then, you know, I still do a lot with Sirius and with, uh, you know, Paul Feinbaum and others. And you have to because, again, yeah. as a conference like ours, you're not going to get the attention that you've earned. It's that simple. You know, sometimes somebody once said you don't get what you uh, – well, you know, the, remember the old Karis ads when you took your, your plane flights and it's oh, yeah, yeah. you yeah. don't get what you uh, deserve, you get what you negotiate, right? Well, Mike has some really interesting perspectives as we move forward in the hope of getting some real consistent college football governance on the table. Look for Mike to play a key role. Sports tech moment. FIFA launching a digital collectible platform called FIFA Plus for their fans. As recently as May, Algorand became FIFA's official blockchain partner ahead of the 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar. It's a carbon neutral tech company deployed by more than 2,000 global entities. In March, it inked a three-year kit sponsorship with Gotham FC of the National Women's Soccer League, enabling fans to use Algorand's digital wallet to buy in-game NFTs, tickets, and merchandise from the team. Previously, Algorand struck a five-year title partnership with the Drone Racing League to generate blockchain ticketing, NFTs, and various other collectibles. It also helped create the Digital Drone Racing Series 
That's your Sports Tech Minute. And finally this week, the Sports Gaming Minute. Maryland wanted equity in mobile sports gaming. The NFL season will begin without it, and Maryland lawmakers wanted a racially diverse and inclusive sports mobile betting industry. The slower, methodical approach tried to spread the wealth to smaller minority and women-owned companies, often disadvantaged or shut out in business. They would love to have it start sooner, but Maryland already has one of the nation's slowest launches into what last year was a $4 billion mobile sports betting industry, roughly $25 million in state revenue at stake, little compared to Maryland casinos that, by comparison, generate about $76 million in the state alone. The tension over how and how quickly to award mobile betting licenses had regulators balancing eager consumer demand with trying to push the state's vision of inclusivity through a bureaucratic labyrinth. And that's your show for the week. We'd like to thank uh, Callie Kazire for helping us with the games to watch. We'd like to thank everyone who put the show together. Clearly, my friend Mike Oresco giving us unique perspective on the college market. We'd like to thank you for listening and watching and join us next week when we go inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports and enjoy your weekend. Speak with you soon. Sports Professor Rick Harlan. Action Images is the global multimedia sports agency of Reuters. Leagues, teams and federations around the world rely on Action Images to create, distribute and monetize their content. Action Images' global footprint means sports media expertise is never far away. For more information, visit actionimages.com.